our title today is Attitudes and Actions, and um, I'm just going to be starting with reading a few verses to you that should come up on the screen. So first of all, Romans 12 verse 10 says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. And Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And Ephesians 4 verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Thanks very much. Oh, that's better, yeah. Cool. Uh, just a little bit of background very quickly. This, in Romans 12, this book of Romans, Paul is writing about AD 57 to a bunch of Christians who are in a, a new community together. Some of them were uh, Jewish people who'd come to believe in the Messiah, Jesus, and some of them were Gentiles, non-Jews, who had come to know Christ too. So you get these two groups of people coming together with a newfound faith in Jesus, and they're trying to work some stuff out. I don't know what a modern-day equivalent might look like. I guess if you lived in Northern Ireland, it might be a devout Roman Catholic and an orangeman finding new life in Jesus and coming to love one another and try to walk through what their past means and how, how they relate to each other. So Paul speaks into this community of Christians. And I'd like to say right from the kickoff, we are a mixed group of people. We might not be people who were once enemies with each other, but we are a whole mixed bag of people from different cultures, different religious backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. And so the challenge to be devoted to one another and to honor one another is really, really important. I want to say something just that God spoke to me about recently is we have to be more comfortable with each other in terms of the way we do some things. So I'm sure Femi and Bethel wouldn't mind me saying this, but when mother was here from Nigeria, mother comes up to me and goes, bless you, pastor, bless you, pastor. I said, no, no, I'm just Al. And then God said to me, hold on a minute. She wants to bless you. That's the way she does it. Let her do it. The rest of you from a different part of the world might go, hi, Al, how's it going? That's cool as well. That's cool as well. Don't call me bishop, <laughs> and certainly don't call me apostle, okay? But all joking aside, we need to learn that these things actually are not big issues. It's not a big deal. It's not a theological, doctrinal issue. It's just accepting one another and realizing that when we honor one another, we do it slightly differently. So please feedback. I am very blessed, and I need to be more secure to receive a blessing like that, and it's okay to receive the blessing and not feel guilty. My job's to make sure before God, I walk humbly with him and that doesn't go to my head. That's, that's the key thing. There is a biblical model, Debs and I would love you to encourage you to look into when you've got more time at home. And it's in the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, there's a beautiful story about a, a young woman, Ruth, who was from Moab. So she was not part of the people of God, 
And a very, very sad story in many ways, because basically her mother-in-law um, lost her husband, and then Ruth and the other daughter-in-law lost their husbands as well, sometime later. And what happens in the end is that Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, decides after the second time of conversation with Naomi to go back to her own people in Moab. But Ruth decides to stay. And I want you to listen to what she says. When we talk about devotion and we talk about honor, I'd love you just to listen to this. She says to Naomi, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Wow. Woman's lost her husband. She potentially was still of the age where she might want to look for another husband. I'm not saying every woman in this story should do the same thing, but in this story, she decides to stick with her mother and adopt the lifestyle and go for the God that her mother-in-law loves dearly. She was devoted to her, wasn't looking to run off at the first opportunity. And she honored her. And it's a beautiful story of how God worked in that whole process. But go check it out for yourself. It's got four chapters, okay? Very short book and a great book. But how someone comes from a different part of the world and becomes devoted and committed and on honoring of someone who's totally different. I don't know about you, I want our church to be filled with honor across the many, many different spheres of difference that are there. Honoring of one another is so important. Thank you. Debs? Okay, so Al's given us an example of a story in the Bible where Ruth was very honoring to Naomi. And we're just going to have a look at the meaning of the words being devoted and, and honoring. So we're going to look at some Greek. The original Greek word for devoted is, devoted is philostorgos. I think my French is a bit better than my uh, Greek, but anyway, <laughs> we'll stick with that. So philostorgos. So the word combines two concepts, philo, which means brotherly love, or love, and storgia, which means natural family affection. What a lovely picture these two words create. They convey a sense of deep, unwavering commitment and affection, much like the love shared between close family members. And in using this word, Paul is encouraging the believers in the early church to create a community that looks like family, where love and support are given in times of need, but also where love and support form the foundation of everyday relationships. I wonder whether when you look around this church today, you look at people of Redeem and think of them as family. Look at us. We're a mixture of different ages, as Al said, nationalities and cultures, introverts and extroverts, got different likes and dislikes, and yet we are called to be a community that love each other with brotherly and sisterly love and family affection. Paul didn't expect the early church to be a group of Christians who just attended meetings without connecting with each other. 
And he encouraged devotion to one another on a whole different level from just being an attendee of church. You know, over the years, I've spoken to people that just attend church. They may go just on special occasions or they just go along to church, but they haven't really ever connected as a community. And I find that really sad that people haven't experienced a loving Christian community around them. So what a challenge that is for us. We need the Lord to show us how to be truly devoted to one another as a body of people. And I think it comes first from us devoting ourselves to God. If we devote ourselves to God and allow his love to fill our hearts by his Holy Spirit, then that love should overflow to each other and also to the world outside of us here. We need God's supernatural power to help us to be devoted to one another. And the second part of Romans 12 verse 10 encourages us to honor one another. Honoring one another is about holding someone up in high esteem and treating them with the respect and dignity that they deserve as fellow believers and children of God. Paul urges Christians to put others' needs and interests above their own. Jesus was a perfect example of this, wasn't he, when he walked on this earth as he showed humility and a servant heart to people around him. And we've got so many examples in the New Testament where Jesus showed us how to live and how to treat one another according to kingdom values and not our own selfish values. Honoring one another is about seeing the good in each other and not criticizing the imperfections we see. By emphasizing devotion and honor in relationship, Paul reinforces the importance of nurturing a Christ-centered community where we are bound together by selfless love and mutual respect. Imagine the impact that we would have on our friends, our colleagues, and our neighbors if they saw us truly living as a family where mutual love and respect is clearly present. Who wouldn't want to come along to Redeemer and ask how and why we care for each other in this way? So what's really important when we come together, we hear from the Word of God, is we need to take action from what we hear. And so we're going to look at some things now, how we can demonstrate devotion and honor. And I'm going to take a few ideas, and then Al's going to follow on with a few (coughs) more. The first one is active listening. And we've linked this to Ephesians 4 verse 2, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, I wonder who out there considers themselves to be a good listener. Come on, hands up if you think you're a good listener in here. Oh, not many of you. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be watching the rest of you very carefully as I speak to see how well you listen to me. Thank you. But listening can be really challenging at times, can't it? Our brains are always forging forward to the next thing, thinking about the next thing. I'm thinking about my lunch even now. No, I'm not actually. But we can be thinking about the next thing all the time. And I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation where someone greets you and they say, hey, how are you doing? They're really enthusiastic. And then when you start to give an answer, you see their eyes kind of glaze over or actually they just get a little bit distracted when you're trying to give them an answer. Now, I know that I have experienced that many times, but actually, equally, I'm sure I've been the one that's been distracted in conversation, so sorry to anyone where I've done that before. 
recently, Al and I have been doing the marriage course. And the second chapter of the book is all about communication. Such a vital thing to get right in a marriage for it to thrive. But let's be honest, it's a vital skill for any relationship. And one exercise we had to do as part of the communication chapter is active listening. One person has to share something for one minute whilst the other just listens. And they even suggest you hold something in your hand like a handkerchief while you're speaking so that the other person knows they are not holding the handkerchief, they do not speak at that time, they only listen. That's really important. Then after your minute, you hand over the handkerchief to the other person and they have to relay what they've heard you saying and they use sentences like, so what I hear you saying is, or, and this made you feel like, so... What I'm not saying, maybe, I don't know whether this could work, at the end of the service, we could take a Bible with us, go up to someone and say, here, hold the Bible, and you have one minute to speak to me, and I will listen. When you give the Bible back, I will relay everything that you've said. Maybe we could do that in life proof at some point, it'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Now, of course, that kind of exercise isn't practical for every conversation we have. But learning to actively listen to someone is a skill we should all be seeking to develop. You just know, don't you, when someone has actively listened to you, when they're actually able to answer questions about what you've been talking about or share something that's relevant to what you've been talking about. Think about the way you feel when someone really listens to you. I know that for me personally, I feel valued and loved and that my thoughts and feelings actually matter to someone. So that is one way of fulfilling Ephesians 4 verse 2. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, actively listen. Another way that we can demonstrate devotion and honor is by giving emotional support. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, be compassionate. And Al's going to share a bit more about that later on. But it's great um, that we've already had something shared about clothing ourselves with compassion. Fantastic. As Christians, we're not promised an easy life, are we? In fact, Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're on the winning side with our almighty God, He's always with us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. But we still have to navigate life and life with its difficulties. So we might experience the loss of a job, poor health, the loss of a loved one, mental health or anxiety issues, to name but a few things. Paul urged the believers in the Ephesian church to be compassionate to one another And we need to hear that message too. Whether times are good or bad, we need to develop the way we emotionally support one another as God's people. And Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We need to ask God to equip us to be more readily available to support each other as we go through different challenges in life. So that might look like inviting someone round for a meal, to spend time with them, to listen to them, and to see where they're really at. It may be messaging someone saying, I'm praying for you, and I'm here for you. 
It could be sending scriptures that you feel God's put on your heart that will help someone in their walk. It could be a phone call. Let's just not all stick to the messages. We can speak to people over the phone. I'm guilty of that one as well. You could also maybe invite someone to go for a walk and just give them the chance to speak where you listen and you show love and care. I think one thing we have to learn is that um, we don't just decide ourselves how we're going to support someone. We actually ask someone, what is going to really help you in this situation? You know, we have a little plaque on in our house, in our hallway, that says, friends are God's way of taking care of us. God wants us to be available to let him work through us in order to love each other well in the body of Christ by showing compassion and giving emotional support to one another. We need his help in that. So let's ask him to help us to be good emotional supports to each other. So another practical area is helping in times of need. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind. Christians of the early church in Acts knew how to be kind. The Bible says that the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There's a real sense with these early Christians that it was really natural to share everyday life with one another. This meant that no one was out trying to do life on their own. If there was any kind of need in the community of believers, then others would become quickly aware of it and seek to help. What an incredibly selfless outlook they had. We might think it's a bit intrusive with people knowing about our lives and what's going on, actually. But they didn't see it that way. It wasn't intrusive to know that someone in the church was struggling. Actually, it was being part of the fellowship together, the fellowship of believers, and being part of God's family, looking out for each other. So how can we help each other in times of need? Well, I think, firstly, we need to be willing to be vulnerable with each other and actually willing to share if we have needs in our lives. So we need to go beyond that superficial I'm fine, thanks, when we're asked how we're doing, if we're really not fine. And we need to share how we're struggling practically with others, if that's what's going on in our lives. I love that at Redeemer, we have a community group on Facebook. And it's great to read posts like, can you help with babysitting, please? Or do you know of a good plumber? Or who can help with student lifts this week? And other ways we may help, help people as well is when someone has a baby and there's a meal rotor for a couple of weeks to support the flagging parents as they're so tired. These are really practical, nitty-gritty, everyday ways of helping people. And I'm sure that you are involved with many more than I've said, or you're aware of many more situations where people are helping each other. In our daughter Libby's bedroom, on the wall behind her bed, she has a piece of artwork, and it says this. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. I'm going to say that again. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. With God's help, loving one another better is not only about being open-hearted with each other and sharing life in that way, but it's also about being open-handed and generous with what God has given us. That can be our finances, that can be our time, can be many things. And fourthly, celebrate achievement. Romans 12 verse 10 says, honor one another. Isn't it great to see people being honored 
We see that really regularly on the uh, Redeemer community group. And I think it's such a great example of honoring one another when someone is posted up and it says by their names, thank you. We're thanking people for who they are and for what they do in the life of the church. Fantastic. You know, in our world at times, there can be a culture of dog-eat-dog, where people are out to gain what they can for themselves and don't recognize the achievements of others, or perhaps don't even wish to recognize achievements of others because it's not about them. But as a church family, we are called to honor one another and humbly consider others as more important than ourselves. So that means celebrating each other's achievements, whether they're large or small. It's about being aware of what is going on in each other's lives and taking the opportunity to encourage another person and to say thank you or well done. Be aware of how people serve within the church. There's lots of people that do such a lot, get down here very early and stay late to make all this happen on a Sunday. And there's lots of other things going on in the week where people are serving and working hard. Think about that. Maybe seek out someone and say thank you for what you do. Well done. You know, we can honor one another by bringing encouragement. Maybe for someone, even just getting here today was a really difficult thing, but they've made it. Maybe it's good to say, well done for just being here. Fantastic. Or for people who are parents, I wonder how much encouragement they really get when often they feel a bit like, this is a tough job. And it is, isn't it? It's a tough job. But maybe get alongside someone and say, well done. You're doing a good job. Keep going. God's with you. Or for those that are married, <laughs> that's not always easy at times, is it? Encourage people. Great that you're having a date night this week. Well done. Some of you perhaps open your homes up to, for hospitality and are very generous in that way. Thank people for being generous with their hospitality. Or perhaps you're somebody that goes and serves in the community, working at the food bank, helping people in that way. Say, well done, thank you for doing that. Or perhaps someone has stepped out and spoken to someone at work about Jesus, or they've said, can I pray for you? Encourage them. Say, that's great. God loves it. Keep going. There are so many different ways that we can encourage one another and celebrate achievement. So let's actively seek to build one another up. It's not flattering one another just for the sake of it, but genu generally, sorry, genuinely encouraging each other out of relationship and because we look for the best in each other. Fine, guys? Yeah. Moving on, there's a few things to consider in terms of the way we demonstrate devotion and honor to one another. The next one on your slide up there says, empathize with struggles. Brothers and sisters, please, please be seated. Oh. Secondly, encourage spiritual growth. It says, be humble and gentle. I think we need to say this, the way to encourage one another spiritually, first of all, is to be humble. If you come to me and say, Al, help me, can you teach me some stuff, I want to grow in God, humbly, I can teach you some stuff. You can teach me some stuff, 
because we've all had some experience of walking with God, getting to know Him, experiencing His presence. And so we can humbly say, I can't help you with everything, but here's what I've learned. And we pass it on to one another. And that's one of the reasons why across the church it's so important that we do that generally in terms of our relationships with each other. Uh, in life groups, for example, that's a beautiful way to do that, where we grow together and we share our stories. We had a situation recently in life group where someone opened up and shared the story about how God had brought them through a really difficult time in their life and that they were still going after God and still pursuing Him. And everybody in the room felt encouraged by the fact that people could share the story. Another way it works particularly well is in one-to-one -one discipleship. That's where you say to another person, can you help me please? I want to grow in God. Now, uh, you could come to me and I could maybe help you with something, but you don't come to me for other things. You go to someone else who's got that experience and someone else who can help you much better than I can help you. We need each other, brothers and sisters. We need each other. No one in this room has got everything, the full package, to be able to help you and me be spiritually the fullest we can be. We need to help one another to grow. And that just means to do it humbly and say, yep, I can help you with that. <laughs> nope. Being honest, that's not something I have great experience in, but let's learn together. And the second thing here is it's gentleness. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus gave the hardest time to the religious people. He was most direct. He was most in your face, even nicely. But the people who were religious the people, who, the people who felt they could look down on others and judge others, they were the people that got the hard time from Jesus. But the people who realized they were broken were the people who received his gentleness so much. The lady caught in adultery would be a good example. The lady who touched the hem of his garment. These are beautiful examples of a beautiful man who treats us with gentleness. We can learn from him and his gentleness. But when you start to think you've got it all together, and you've got it all sorted, and you're proud, sometimes the Lord has to deal with us a little bit more firmly. It's called chastising, because we're getting above ourselves, and we're getting cocky, and we're getting arrogant, and that's never a good attitude to have. The third one here is practice forgiveness. It says in Ephesians 4, forgive each other. This is a big one. It's massive. Jesus said, to his disciples, when you pray, pray, Father, for, forgive us our trespasses. What's the next bit? Talk to me. Good church. Very good. Absolutely. As we forgive those who trespass against us. I often wondered for years, why does Jesus ask us to forgive other people? Why, what's that about? I think one of the answers to that question is this. When you and I forgive other people, we release them. They no longer have the hold on us that they once did. We move out of victim to victor. I don't live the rest of my life as a victim because of what they've done to me. And the reason I think Jesus wants us to hear this today is because when we forgive, we step into greater freedom than what we ever had before. Think of the opposite. If you choose to stay in unforgiveness, it leads to bitterness. 
twistedness. And some Christians have experienced, maybe in some cases, even leads to manifesting itself in your body. Because what happens is you let it eat away at you inside and the inside life begins to affect the outside life. So Jesus wants to say to you today, I don't want you to live twisted. I don't want you to live on a path of bitterness. I don't want you to stay in unforgiveness because then you will not live in the fullness of the freedom that I've purchased. Do you want to be the fullest, filled with the Holy Spirit, free person on the planet? I do. Got a way to go. I want to be free in every area of my life where no obstacle stops that freedom. And sadly, unforgiveness is an obstacle that stops that glorious freedom. So take it when someone upsets us, when someone hurts us, when someone offends us. Sometimes we take offense and we shouldn't. But if someone genuinely hurts us, take it to God. Ponder, pause, go to your brother and sister. Say, can we talk? That was quite hurtful what you said. The way you behaved was quite disrespectful. You give your brother or sister the opportunity to put it right. By the way, if you go to your brother and sister and they don't want to put it right, it's okay. Because you're responsible and I'm responsible for doing what God asks us to do and you leave them to God. If they say, I'm sorry, Al, I was bang out of order, I do apologize, no problem, we move on. Yeah? If they say, oh, Kate lost, you've been silly. Let God deal with that, it's okay. You and I are responsible for what my dad would say when I was a kid. You're responsible for your corner, son. You're responsible for making sure you keep your heart right with God and make sure you do what pleases God. As for the response, leave that to God. Pray for those who hurt you. And so it's important to go to your brother and sister. What often happens in churches, it's very, very easy. We can slip into this mindset where, actually, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> so we don't address it. We don't deal with it. And then 10 years later, I'm okay, I'm okay. But we still talk about it. We still drag it up. She hurt me, but, but I'm okay. Bless her, I love my mum to bits, but my mum used to do that now and then. I, I, I am fine now. She said that, but I'm okay now. And a few years later, <laughs> she said that, I'm okay now. Mum, you're obviously not okay. <laughs> Deal with it. You're dragging it up again and again and again. If you keep dragging it up all the time, it probably means you're not really dealing with it properly in the first place. So take it to God, go to the person, and above all else, seek to put those, those relationships right. Can I just give you a little tip someone gave me? It's probably quite helpful. Is when you get up in the morning at the beginning of a new day, sometimes it's good to be on the front foot with regards to the enemy. So what you, what you do is you get up in the morning and say, Lord, whoever upsets me today, if they do, Whoever offends me, whoever hurts me, I'm making a decision right now as I enter into this new day. I will walk in forgiveness. That's what I'll do. That's what my mind's set on. That's where I'm going. Don't know about you. I find that quite helpful. Whatever the day holds, 
I've already made up my mind. I'm going God's way. I'm not going to be going in a different direction. And finally, actually, before we do move on, but I had a picture actually on this one about practicing forgiveness. The picture was of a, a body being healthy. I want this body, God wants this body to be the healthiest body it can possibly be. But you see, brothers and sisters, if we don't deal with unforgiveness, the joints will be full of bitterness. It will be crumpled over. We won't be filled with his divine life. So I want to pray today for you. Today, if, if, if you need to deal with it, deal with it, please, so that you are more blessed and more free to be the person that God wants you to be. And finally, pray for one another. Probably one of the most beautiful ways we can be devoted to one another is to pray for one another. And I got thinking, I did this a while ago and it's been too long. But it may be an idea to go to the church calendar and pick two or three people in the church and say, today, I'm going to pray for those two. Tuesday, I'm going to pray for those two. Can you imagine what would happen if every one of us in the family did that? I'm not saying you have to. Think of other creative ways if you want to. I'm just giving you an example of one way it could be done. The whole fact of the whole body praying for one another is one of the most beautiful things you can do. Have you ever heard Christians say, and perhaps I've done it as well, they say, sorry mate, I can't help you much, but I'll pray. Hold on, rewind that. What a ridiculous statement. I really can't help you much, but I'll pray. Well, no, what we need to say is, I will be praying for you, and other than that most important thing, what else do you need? We need to turn that round. It's the wrong way around. The biggest thing you can do for me and I can do for you is to pray for you and pray big prayers. God bless you getting healed from your bunion. That's fantastic. And I want you to be healed from your bunions. But I want you to pray big prayers for each other. Have you ever noticed that when Paul prays for the believers, they are filled with depth, full of depth. This guy says, Lord, for Carl today, would you come and fill him with your love? May he know the height and the depth and the length and the width of your great love. And may he know it. Imagine praying a prayer like that for your brothers and sisters every day. Come on. God bless you. Get healed from your bunions. But come on. Get, get more. Get more. There's, a, there's depth. There's huge depth to what God wants to do in us. Pray deep prayers. Pray big prayers. Lord, bless them. May he or she experience abundantly more than they could ever ask or imagine. That's what he prays for the brothers and sisters. It's really, really important. Okay, I'm going to wind up now. Um, my family usually tell me when I say that, we're going to wind up now. That probably means there's another 10 minutes. So I genuinely will try to wind up now. And I want us to look at the next slide, please. Um, reflections. I just want to say this. Debs and I have talked about quite a few things today we've mentioned, and I just want you to check your heart. Are you devoted to Christ and to his people to love one another, to honor one another? Are we honoring each other? Are we being humble? Are we being gentle and patient, kind, bearing with others, compassionate, forgiving, I know when I look at that list, I've still got a long way to go. But it's okay, provided you 
commit yourself to the Lord to ask him to help you to grow bit by bit to become more like him. So let's develop a culture of honor. Can I say one thing about honor as well? Honoring somebody doesn't mean you agree with everything they believe. I was reading a book recently about a gentleman who has experienced, you know, lots of people going on to social media, um, putting comments out there about them, this and that, and the next thing. He said, I've made a decision that even if people, fellow Christians, by the way, if fellow Christians say unkind things about me, I've already decided I will honor. I will look for ways to praise them. I'll look for ways to say, you're doing a good job. Well done. I'm praying for you. I love it. Honor does not mean we only honor people when we agree 100% with their theology. Unless they're totally crazy and they're denying the basics of the faith. But I'm talking about honoring one another is not just about people who believe everything we believe. We dot every I and we cross every T. We choose to look for the best in our brothers and sisters. We choose to say, that's beautiful what God is doing there. And I think that's, as Deb said, that's a choice we make.